Thanks, Krister, for coming on. I really appreciate it. First of all, I want to make sure I get your name right. So it's Krister, and then you go with the rest. Beautiful. That's a very, very, very powerful name, but it's, it's tough for me to pronounce. Um, great to great to sort of meet with you in the corona-friendly way uh, these days. Um, would you mind um, talking to me a little bit about what is Chaos Pilots? And I really want to come at this from any different directions. And the reason I want to start, you know, with the elephant in the room, so to speak, is because I've met a couple of chaos pilots, if we, if those, if that's a real word, <laughs> and uh, and they're just always doing interesting things. So I was like, okay, let me just find the guy who runs the school and talk to him. Yeah. So yeah, that's what you're on. Thank you for thank you for making the time. Uh, thank you, thank you for having me. So, chaos pilot is essentially a school. We do a lot of things, but it is essentially a school. It's an association, legally speaking, here in Denmark. And we originate out of, uh, out of Aarhus, in, which is the northern part of the country. The, um, we started in 1991. And today we portray ourselves more as a polymath approach towards leadership and entrepreneurship. We are a school above uh, that focuses a lot on creative leadership and meaningful entrepreneurship as a way to sort of encompass everything that binds us together. We are predominantly in Denmark known for our three-year program, which has been running since, since the very inception of the school in, in a variety of forms, but with some core to it and some very strong values associated with it, both on a pedagogical level, but also on a worldview type of level. In addition to that, we run a number of professional programs uh, from virtually from Australia to Canada, South Africa to, to Norway. And we do a lot of bespoke type of work, consulting work. And we run uh, a product space called Hive. And we function effectively as a cultural and social uh, platform in the city. And, and uh, thank you for that. I think what's what's really interesting with, for me is that I I feel like there are not that many schools or institutions like Chaos Pilots around. I'm originally Indian, grew up in India, finished my uh, high school there, and then came to the Netherlands. And I've spent some time in Europe. Uh, you know, sort of you know been around. And before I came to Denmark, our but maybe Scandinavia is unique, or the Nordics are unique in this, right? Sort of. I don't want to say holistic, but a very different way of looking at sort of, I think you said the word meaningful entrepreneurship, right? I think that's, to me, that sounds really cool, but it's also very non, I mean, I don't want to say non-capitalist, but very kind of enlightened capitalism in a funny way, if you want to call it that, right? How do you, can you talk a bit about the inception of the school and, and, and you know, why this focus and, and because you've been running it for a while now, but but talk to me about sort of, you know, what has been going on since the inception of it. So the um, you're very accurate on your perceptions about the school. That um, first, it is of course privileged in the sense that we are starting from Denmark. We're starting from Denmark slash Scandinavian conditions. That's where we're working from. So we should not portray this as something that is not. It's not the answer to every question in the world. But for, for here, it serves a purpose. And indeed, many of the same needs we meet in other places, maybe simply just less distributed than here. When the school started in 1991, it was the response to several societal conditions. One was the alarming youth unemployment out of the 80s in Denmark at the time, with more than 20% youth unemployment, if I remember correctly. It was also a time where innovation in education could be argued to have stifled. Right? There wasn't so many things. For those that were of us that went were, were coming of age at that time, going into universities, it was relatively traditional. Obviously, there were individual problems, etc. But to a large extent, this followed the um, the beaten track all the way through. At the same time, with the the absence 
of readily available jobs for, for many people, that note on you can create your own job, you can create effectively part of your own life, your own future, was relatively new. Of course, it's always been there. Again, it's not exactly that we that it was it wasn't anything like that before, but it was relatively new, at least amongst us as youth. We wanted something else. And I think another point, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the fact that you create an institution around this idea is is I think the unique part. Or or mm. maybe it's not the only place maybe there are other schools that are doing it. Uh, but in like you said, nineteen ninety one I, I was I was maybe in my diapers still, uh, but you know there the, the the point is that even today, right? I went to university in two thousand seven eight, and it's I I was an entrepreneur. I started my own company right in the first months of university, and I was looked at as a very strange person. Like, why do you want to start a business? Just become a consultant. Mm -hmm. Go work at Bain or McKinsey. I love. I have friends who work in these amazing companies, and that's they have a, they have a place in the world. But you can also choose a different path. And I think what what why I wanted to talk to you, and we've never met. This is the first time we're meeting. Why I wanted to talk to you and sort of get to know this chaos pilots um, ideal is that the people that I've met that have said, "Oh, I've been to chaos pilots," are like, "Okay, you're all doing." cool stuff and, I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and at least the ones that i meet right like i had i had nicolas arroyo on uh, a few weeks ago on the show mm -hmm. and and he mentioned it and i'm planned to have um one of one of your other old students uh, who's running um the the water company oh god i'm forgetting the name right now sorry post event that's what it's called yes, yeah yes yeah. yeah exactly yes. kind of yes yeah. sorry these danish names are very similar so i'm i'm <laughs> learning them but sometimes i forget hey. if it's jacob or jesper or mess you know which one <laughs> was it uh, um no and i think the point is right like maybe they're quite unique because i, I was told that jesper and, and nicholas their their final project is still what they're doing and that's quite unique mm -hmm. i would imagine even within your context but but I think I stopped you in the middle of, of what you were telling me, but I think the point was just to kind of double click on this idea of, mm -hmm. yes, you could always do what you wanted. And yes, you know, there's privilege in Denmark and Scandinavia and the Nordics, right? Because it's pretty well-off countries, mostly speaking. But the fact that, you, the fact that Chaos Pilots institutionalized this idea of, of searching for yourself mm -hmm. in a funny way mm -hmm. is what I find very rare, Right, like I think we're talking about now, uh, education needing uh, a lot of reform. You know, like Harvard and and Yale and these awesome institutions—they're doing great stuff. But we need other institutions to also help people figure out new ways of learning. Where do you see chaos pilots in this in this space? And 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 was this always the vision from the beginning, or or can you talk a bit about sort of the landscape you're in currently? Yeah, so chaos pilots have evolved over the years. So there were, and I must admit, there were probably a lot of thoughts that were on the table in the beginning that I simply don't know about. So, but in my view, what what I, chaos pilot has always been a bit of enterprising institution in itself, meaning that we do walk the talk, right? We learn from our own experience yeah because your title is also ceo and principal which is another <laughs> weird thing for me uh, that's uh, <laughs> we, we, need, we need we need to change that at one point. <laughs> simply a historical lag that have simply okay carried yeah, okay, okay uh, go on yeah. no so the um so as chaos pilot came into being we also learned from what took place and if you see where chaos pilots distinguish itself compared to many others. There were some of those areas that were there from the very get-go. One was, for instance, learning by doing. So where many other institutions would argue, will we do the same? Chaos Pilot brought that, that to the center of their value proposition. So it's not just a consequence of you learning something theoretically, you may also be allowed to apply. We basically said, let's first start do some things and we learn from there. The other thing that was very strong and that draws upon a tradition in Denmark from the folk high school movement is this 
notion of reflection over and in action. The idea that we think about the world, we think about ourselves, we think about what we do, we reflect upon that basically before theory comes into play. So first you do, you reflect upon it, and then you add theory. So it's slightly the opposite, the, the, another way around than many others. Um, so many of those, I think, grains were there, but over time they have been refined and is now a much more foolproof type of system for how do we develop people? How do we help people become who they would like to be? Another area where I think, at least when I came to the school, that was very, very unique was, was this idea of something that is, it's something that goes on within you. It's not just about learning about subjects, learn about skills, learn about how to become attractive in a job market or creating a company. It's also something about your values, your motivation, your characteristics, perhaps your ambition and purpose in life. All of those type of things that were, in my experience, not touched upon at all by higher education. At the Chaos Pilot, again, this was brought in to go hand in hand with the more professional development. And I think that created a very unique learning atmosphere where people really felt that they were seen, they were heard, they were taken seriously. And it also allowed them the space to become something more than they were when they got in. The world was not predefined. It allowed them for exploring that space of what could be. That's really special. And how, if we double click on that a little bit, how do you do that? How do you, are there certain methods in which you actually help people figure this out? I would say yes, actually. The, and that is, uh, some people that come today are obviously very aware of this already. That is indeed still part of what attracts people to the school today. But it was not like that when I applied to the school. And uh, could you tell me about a bit of your background? Because you said a couple of times you were not there in the beginning, but you've been there for a while now, right? So how, how did you get introduced to Chaos Pilots? And you know why did you become the principal CEO as you are today? <laughs> so I came as a student in 95. So one of the first teams, the third team that entered into the school. And like many people that came from Sweden, we had, we were drawn to the same thing. This was, it was a new time. It was a new age. And this education simply sounded so much cooler than many other things that were taking place. Did we have a great idea of what would happen when being at the school? No. So there was something else that attracted us. And maybe the, it, it is that adventure side that still lives very much with the Chaos Pilot. And um, I stayed in contact with the school after graduation because I simply, I loved the community. I loved the learning environment, the, the inspiration, the opportunity that everyone backed you up. There was always someone that can help you with something if you needed it. All of that was very, very strong. After some years out, I was asked to join the school again. And a year into that, uh, the, uh, the founder and the principal of school resigned and I basically took over. Hence the double title because I had two titles on the way and they just stayed on. The, um, and that was, when was that? When did you take over? That would, I should have joined in 2005, 2006. Okay. Okay, so he, uh, well, what was his name? Uh, Elbeck. Okay, and he ran it for, he founded it and he ran it for 15, 14 years, something 15 like that. Years. 15 years. And then now yeah. you've been running it since 2005. Yes. That's great. Six. Six. six, sorry, yeah, six. And what I find really, I mean, there's a few things that really get me excited about this because one of the th one of the things you mentioned is this Danish folk high school kind of tradition, mm -hmm. right? That's what you. And my my wife uh, she introduced me to the idea because she went to one not too far from Aarhus called Testrop, I think is what it's called. Uh, she went there for music and other things, and I was like, "Wait a minute! You can just go and hang out 
and just explore things you like and no one's gonna there's no grade what's going on here coming from sort of an indian very sort of traditional you know you work hard you get grades it's all about that right and i never liked that system and my my, my family was quite smart they put us in international school that's why i sound a little bit anglicized a bit more than most of my indian friends um but part of what was not what was taught to me in not as organized a way it was as kind of been taught in scandinavia is that about sort of finding yourself right but but not sort of oh let's go like not in a very organized way it was kind of like just study what you like take all these different subjects right it's overall and then when i kind of came to denmark and i got introduced to folk high school i was like this is amazing this is a great mm-hmm. idea and then now i find it that it's been applied to like a business context or like a university context and and has there why is this important maybe is my real question like why why is something like why does chaos pilots or this idea of meshing these two worlds need to exist right now and why has it clearly existed for 30 30 years now so one so, so chaos pilot is in many way a paradox and uh when you say, for instance, about finding yourself, chaos pilot is more about creating yourself, awesome. and that and that could be considered uh, hybrids in a way, hybrids in a way that yeah, how on earth this is a very Western type of thought that something like that, and what about the pressure that puts on you and all of those things? Yeah, so it's so there's a lot of shadows to this, but the alternative is not very attractive, I think, for today's generation that. You have nothing. You don't have a say in your own future. I don't think that is an attractive value proposition. So what chaos pilots does that really, I think, me strikes a chord with the with the younger population is that you have an opportunity to be the more important person in the decision making of your future. You can be the driver of that, and. Um, that is not the same as community means nothing or you are the only person or you should not love any other person more than you love yourself. That's not it. But it, me, it puts agency on the student. And we do this from the start when the students come in. They don't earn the school's confidence to be allowed to do projects with clients because if they fail, that would damage the reputation of the school and all of those things. No, we basically grant the confidence and say, here it is. Manage it. We trust you completely. We will support you. We will we will back you up. And that I think is an important aspect of why our students also then dare to go on to do things yeah. way way after Chaos Pilot. So I wanna I wanna really dig into the program a little bit because you said some words mm. in there which to me don't make sense in the university program. <laughs> uh projects consult i mean like i think they're kind of more and more in in there now but your old school university business or any kind of university theory exam ciao right and maybe some there's something extra in there right but but clearly that's not how the three-year program and chaos pilots works so tell me a bit about how it works and you also mentioned there are some other programs let's talk about that after but uh, let's talk about the crown jewel so to speak the three-year program yeah so, so chaos pilot can also be seen as a mashup. It is it is a hybrid where more of a design school meets a business school, where the the liberal arts meet technology. If you want, it's 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 a mashup of all of these things, and in such a way, it perhaps serves as a life accelerator for many students. But where where this really kicks in is in the projects that they develop and execute. If you compare that specific note with say a business school, a classical business school today often draws upon on the idea of case studies, or indeed it can just be thematics or subjects, but case studies. Chaos Pilot do not have case studies. We only have real studies. The, uh, there are benefits with such a model, but there are also challenges there are some great, great opportunities within the case study orientation. But we experience that with real studies, 
there is a sense of urgency that comes into play. There is simply a level of, of, of both challenges and opportunities that are not present. Why? Because you engage with the whole self. It is not simply an intellectual exercise about moving the headquarters from one location to the other, change your current view operations to a different mode of operation. No, when you do it in real studies, you meet real people. You experience the, the, the nuances in a very, very different way. I remember I was invited to a presentation in a, a, a business school where some of the students had to analyze a number of opportunities for a given company and how they were going to reorganize. And virtually every presentation that were done was about making people redundant, save money by cost cutting. And afterwards, I was asked to reflect and I said, I, uh, I need to acknowledge your analytical skills and your work that you have put into this. But I said, but since all of you are aiming for some sort of managerial career, have any one of you ever fired anyone? Looked someone in the eyes and say, you know what? You're going to go home to your spouse and tell that something has changed in our life. And I'm not entirely sure what will happen with our family now. And there was a there were a complete silence. And I said, see, this is what our real cases allow more than perhaps a case study. You meet not a polished reality. You, you meet, it, meet it with all its beauties and all its flaws and all its intricacies and complications. And by having to work with it in such a way, you simply become, I think, more sophisticated as you later engage in work with, in organizational life. And that is where I think separate us a lot from other business schools. Does that mean that we are better than every other business school? No, I would say quite the contrary. But there are certain areas where I think we are a progressive front runner simply about how do we bring about a new generation of leaders that understands the subtleness and the needs of this world. So when you say real, real studies, is that sort of real projects could you give some examples of what they've been over the years and what you currently do oh it's 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 virtually everything we do approximately 200 products a year so every project that a student does have a client that has a specific need or the student develop their own project and need to find a client it can be anything from facilitating a, a vision process to conducting a marketing campaign, to simply do some sort of empathy, ethnographic or empathy mapping for, for a hospital or how to improve the, the, the meeting with the customers. It can be developing new products, services, anything. So, it, so, it's, so I was argued that 70% of these products are sourced through the students themselves. What is it that they really would like to get their teeth into? What drives their interest? And today we see a lot of projects that leans towards perhaps sustainability, community building, these type of questions. And and so just because to understand this three-year degree, you have these, you come into it, and as soon as you're in, there's these projects you get into, and then is the entire program one project after another, and then reflection, and then another project? How is it set up for the three years? And And also just before we get into that, is it, what I mean, maybe this is an oxymoron of a question, but what kind is a typical student? Well, you know, who who is the typical sort of uh, you know? I, it says somewhere on the website or on LinkedIn. I think it said you have to be twenty one years old or something. That's all I could see as like you know, apply if you're above twenty one. But but uh, you know, maybe we take that question first. Like, who is the typical or what kind of people come to Chaos Palace to study this program? So it's a wide range. There is, you can say that if you sum it all together, you end up with some sort of average. The average person would be 24.5, 25 years old. He or she or they would be 60% Danish perhaps, and then something else. They would have studied two to three years at higher education. They would have traveled the world and would have started at least something, say a music festival or a small company. They would be a person that is 
very interested in doing something that changes life to the better for other, but at the same time, provide them with a, a balanced, holistic, personal life. So the students we have, they, they range from 20 to close to 40, not very many, of course, that are, to, that are bordering 40, but, but they are. They, um, they come from, from all walks of life, from military to, to musical career, to un, from unemployment to academics to, we have them all. And uh, what we really emphasize when people apply to the school is that it's not so much about where you're coming from, it's more about where you're going. What is it with this education? What could it do for you? Are you willing to sign up for an education where you are a student, but in effect, you also become a teacher because you are important for everyone else that is on board on this journey. And it is expected of you that you contribute to those people's development. So all in all, we, we would welcome basically anyone that really wanted, that wanna take that challenge if you look at one thing that really unites them all, that would be that they are simply longing for a change in their own life. There is something that they are coming from and they want that to be different yeah. after the years at the school. Not everyone has a clear idea that I want to start a company and, and it should be in Brazil. No, that's not it. More than a third have no clue what they will do after they graduate. They have vague ideas, something important. Yeah. Approximately a third of those that actually had an idea changed that throughout the education. And maybe a third, I would argue, land somewhere in relative proximity to where they thought that they would be going. Okay. So, so it is a transformative experience in, in many ways. Yeah, and I think what, what it sounds to me like, you know, when, when you're talking about the kinds of students that come, and I really want to come back to the question of you know, what does the three years look like? And, and I want to sort of dig deep into that. But the one comment I'd like to add here is that to me, it feels like it's almost how sort of higher education should be <laughs> in a funny way. Because I think, you know, when you graduate high school or maybe you've had some experience in life, you kind of know how to read a book, maybe, right? You've kind of, you kind of have figured out the basics. And it's really a lot more about the other things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think you can go online and read a book, read a blog, watch a video, you know, YouTube has enough information, you can learn how to code, do whatever you want. But it's about the context. And it's about being in a place that brings the best out of you. And I think the hardest of questions of them all, like, what do you want to be? <laughs> what do mm -hmm. you want to do? Yeah. Uh, and I think and I think, you know, many people have my personal journey has been discovering that through my startups, you know, and some failed, some succeeded. How much yes. effect did I have in the failure or success? About the same. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think, and I think to me, what's ex why I feel like I'm attracted to sort of this chaos pilots model. I also want to talk about the name before we're done. Uh, but I think it is exactly what you said. I think to me, I always felt that I was not in the right institution. If that sounds weird to say, but I always felt that, yeah, you're giving me 40% of what I need, you know, mm. maybe 30%. Mm. But I'm missing something. And I think, mm. and, I, and not to say I've never been to Chaos Pilots, so I, I, I cannot comment on it. But by the sound of it, it feels like you're also saying, hey, you know, the way you just said it, you are the student and the teacher. I have never mm. heard any institution say those words <laughs> mm. anywhere. And I think there is there is this interest of sort of, saying that hey you're here to learn but also support and i think that's quite that's quite a um, important message for people uh no matter what they are doing um yeah so thank you for thank you for sharing that by the way appreciate it it's it's, it's interesting to hear because if you look at it from a clean cut business model it's of course a great business model because suddenly you have a faculty of people that you don't that pay for being there, yeah. right? So, yeah. so it's, it's wonder that that more doesn't do it like that because yeah. 
And also today, that's the other thing is that I have never experienced any 20 year old to step into our school that didn't have something to offer. That has yeah. simply never been the case. And I think as a school, one of our most important assignment is to always be curious on who is that person that comes in here. It is our responsibility to figure out what does that person have to offer? How could we support slash benefit from, from all of this? Going a bit into what you said, how does this really happen? So the application that just ended here Monday, actually, the first step of it, where people apply to the school is really part of, um, how shall I put that in, a, in, a, in the right word, the, uh, in, in a way to help the students understand what is it that is gonna be expected of them. So the clarification of expectations starts already when the students apply. That means that they're introduced to a set of assignments, to a set of learning, to people. All of that is, is I wouldn't say that it's pushed on them. It, it is, is nudged into them along the way that they, okay, this is the way things are going on here. That's what expected of me. So it's, it doesn't feel like it forced in the same way. So when the students start, we, we install a few things. And this is where sometimes when we advise other schools and educations about say, for instance, how to create more engagement and how to become more enterprising. We said that it really starts with the clarification of expectations. We are not experts, but I think we have some, some experience on that note. And we often you have to revisit it. And very often you revisit it too late and you have a bit of a crisis on your hand, then you need to revisit it again with the students. Because what happens is that the goalpost moves over time. So what we do is really tell the students that this is a place where you place your own bar. If you feel that the education is not challenging enough, it's actually partly your responsibility to raise the bar. If you, for some reason, find the bar to be too high or for a variety of reasons that maybe this is not, this is not functioning for me, you are also partly responsible for lowering that bar or moving it. So all of that dialogue-based orientation of figuring out how do we create a good learning space for you, that takes place from day one. We, not so much based on the application process, but very early on when they start, we put a lot of emphasis on creating a good team or a group or a class that they feel we are together. We, we, it, we will lift all of us together. That doesn't mean that you have to love each other, right? But there is a sense of, of community that is established very, very early on. And that creates safety. And uh, in the Scandinavian context, trust do come relatively much easier than in many other countries that I've been to. So it, people come here, they immediately trust that whatever is gonna happen is gonna be the right for them. Over the course of three years, that may change a little because people become more clear on what is it that I want to do, where am I going, and all of that. So Chaos Pilot is not without conflict or friction, nor should it be, because that is also where we stretch. That is where we become. But very early, we do that. The other one is that we relatively quickly put them into the notion of this is learning by doing. So very virtually immediately, they are thrown into a project where they simply lack the tools, the methodology, and the experience on how to go about such a project. So the trust is that you have what you need in order to solve this. You just don't know it. And instead of me telling you, we give you an assignment and you will really have to stretch. Could you give an example of something? So say, for instance, one of the first projects that uh, often happen is, is say, um, I remember, for instance, the first project Lincoln Arroyo did, which were a lot about brand building. How many in his group had ever worked with brand building for a larger company? Sorry, yeah. um, sorry about that. I'll repeat that. 
So the first project that Nicolas Arroyo did, the previous guest at your program, was a lot about brand building. How many in his group have ever worked with brand building? I would say perhaps one, perhaps two, most of them have not. I remember even a conversation with that group about what is a brand? How do you build a brand? How do you work with a client that has a brand building challenge? So how on earth do we expect our students to be able to work on such a thing? We haven't given them the theories. They don't have the methodology. They don't have the experience, but they have a lot of other things. They have perhaps an attitude. They have a willingness to learn. They have empathy. They, have, um, they are willing to work hard. They, uh, they have a malleable brain in a, in a way, right? That they can adapt. Yeah. So all of that put together with a slice of imagination and positivity, and they come up with a solution, which is maybe not uh, the textbook example of how to solve it, but it is precisely what the client is looking for. Something new. And, and, it, and in this case, you said that you said client a couple of times, you said, you know, you get a client or you find a client. Are these sort of businesses that you have a connection with as chaos pilots or are they individuals? What is the, what do you define as a client in this context? So when people start at the school, it, we, it, it is, we need to really balance the idea that you need to go out and find a client or come up with a project or we providing it for you because it's simply about time. It can take, imagine that you come from India, you join Chaos Pilot. How are you going? Because you don't know anyone here. So the school would help you in the beginning. Over time, we assume that you will be able to do this on your own and we will be more of a support group for you in that way. But in the beginning, we need to provide this, often also because the, the, the products are not that lengthy. So it needs to take place in a certain period of time according to school schedule which in itself is a challenge that it may be that the client has a need for you in January, but your time available in the school is October. Mm, I understand. So that's why we do that, but they are sourced from a variety of, of, of uh, so, so it could be, so it could be that the student themselves have an idea and, and Absolutely. know someone and, you know, say, okay, we can work, uh, work for this person and create this, this project for them with them whatever that looks like and and just to be very clear like they're not making any money this is these are just projects that they're doing or are they also earning money just because everything seems to be thrown out of the door <laughs> when it comes to the normal institution it's going to, in chaos pilots terms so i just want to understand how that looks like are they are, are they also earning i mean how does that look because when i hear a client i i think money as well right so yeah there are there are two sides to that one if you talk about money specifically we as a school, I would say 90% of the time stay out of that equation. It is simply a relationship between the student and the, the company or organization. When we talk about payment, that actually do happen a lot of times, not just in terms of salary, but maybe also to cover costs. There could be a multitude of reasons. Say the students go to the Netherlands, who would pay for that journey? Sure. The uh, why is it like this? Well, partly it is that we think that the students learn from taking the responsibility to negotiate, but we don't want to deprive them of working with something that maybe has no monetary exchange because there could be um, other reasons why you want to do a project. And that leads into the second side of this. And that is that the ex there is always an exchange. What we, appreciate is of course the learning side to this the opportunity to learn that is that is some sort of managed into this but there could be other outputs that we value equal to money say that the product has a positive impact on a local community or make an organization more effective in some way so Rarely does it happen that a school charge money for for that uh, for that for for creating that condition for a project. And, but I would not rule it out. It depends very much on what it is. There has been projects in in over time where we combine staff and students to solve the projects, where staff and students work together. Then it becomes maybe slightly different. Okay, so 
are the three years defined with multiple projects and then it's one project to the other and then you graduate? Is that how it's kind of organized? So this, the, um, the, the three years is played out according to a curriculum like any other school would have, which is defined by le learning objectives that collectively bring together a, a skill set, a knowledge base, and a set of attitudes. But also in our case, a portfolio, things that you have done that you can show to other ones and the network. Most students would graduate with tens, if not a hundred network uh, people that they or an organization they know that they have never known. And that has been very much part of, of our journey to figure that is key to our value proposition. You don't just graduate with a degree. You graduate with so much more. This is, I mean, and, this is blowing my mind, but go on, keep going. <laughs> the, the, uh, every, I wouldn't say that the projects happen, they happen at a certain frequency, but it's not so easy as to say that every month there is a new project or every six months. It depends very much on what is required according to these learning objectives. What is really interesting and, comp and, and difficult is that every project is unique. So how on earth can you promise the student that you will learn what is being stipulated in the curriculum when the project may be so different so you simply cannot live up to that promise? So we have taken the simple solution out and we say we will meet 80% of our learning objectives. But there is also reality that goes on. The, the, when working with clients with complex problems somewhere in the world, you cannot expect that that world will change to fit our curriculum. The curriculum needs to change to fit that reality. And that puts a lot of stress, of course, on the school, on the communities, because how on earth are you understand that? How can you evaluate a project which has maybe never been done before? Are you going to play some sort of authority and say, this is a, a, a unique solution? This is a great solution. All of those questions are really, really important and alive at the school consistently. How do we understand the learning that has come out? How do we understand the value that has been created? What is really at stake with the things we engage with? That is a dynamic process. That is something that is an ongoing conversation. And I think that is also what makes the school such a living community. That it's not set in stone. It's not something we decided 15 years ago and can't be changed. It's, it's, it's alive. And, and with that note, what does the faculty look like? Is it sort of these experts or is it a, a mix of experts? So we have... A variation of experts. We have full-time staff, which we refer to as team leaders. A team leader is not a coach, but is not a professor either. It's not necessarily some sort of, of football trainer, like instructor, do this and you will do good. But nor is it um, a, 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 like a loving mother either. It's somewhere in between all of this. Where, we, where our team leaders are responsible for the learning journey. They create the conditions where the students develop and execute their projects. They create the conditions where the learning is unfolded and understood and applied. They rarely make decisions on behalf of the students. They more help the students to realize the consequences of the choices in front of them. Do they teach? Sometimes, yes. But we, here we then go into the second tire of, of, of people at the school. That is what we would perhaps refer to as the external faculty. So we would have a pool of around 50, 60 people that we would consider to be subject matter experts that come in for shorter period of time or lengthier period of time to basically disseminate that specific knowledge tool theory, methodology, whatever you want to call that, they bring that to the table to the students. Awesome, thank so, you. Yeah. So, so, so it's this tandem between a team lead and a team lead is normally a team leader for how many students? Is it like? A class, so 30 to 40. 
Okay, so and at one time in the school when it's regular curriculum, how many students do you have? So we would have around 35 when we start. Okay. Again, it varies a bit. Sometimes 35 to somewhere around 40. Yeah. And then there is always someone that uh, goes on maternity leave or paternity leave. Sure. Someone that goes out and someone takes a leave. It varies a bit from year to year. Sure. Thank you for the, I think, in-depth understanding. And, and I, I appreciate you also being candid and open with it because I think it's something very, from the outside in, you know, I, I look at websites all day and I'm like, I get it, but I need to understand what's really going on here. And thank you for, thank you for uh, indulging my, my questions. Um, I want to talk a bit about also, if you don't mind, you mentioned that the three-year program is your sort of main staple, yeah. but you also do shorter programs and you also do consulting as chaos pilots of school, right? Yes. So, how, so can you talk about those two areas a little bit? Yeah. So, They, they originate out of the fact that the school is supported by the Danish government, okay. but not enough. So basically, there is a shortage of money to run the education the way we want it to. And hence, doing work for others became part of our, of our model. Also because that we were considered, and in, indeed we still are, to be a front runners, we do have a number of organizations and companies that are drawn to how do we attract talent? How do we teach leaders? How do we, how do we foster entrepreneurship? All of those questions. And so people say, we, could we have that with us? So historically, Chaospot have been running these things. Uh, what happened close to 10 years ago was that we went away from only doing bespoke work to doing something more that we would do it over and over again. So a bit more off the shelf, if you want. The main reason was this, that we recognized that many people that reached out to us, they wanted the same things, but they were less interested to pay for the development of that thing. They wanted to just be there. And we recognize that when it comes down to it, we are a school. Not everyone assumes that we will reinvent the wheel all the time. They simply assume that from one year to the other, we will become better at what we are doing, not that we just do something new. So with that in mind, we, we started out on a journey to look into what type of short programs could we offer to the world at large that would help us to deliver upon our purpose in a different way, because not everyone can move to Denmark for three years. So how could we feasibly do that? And we had a lot of conversations on who should we be working with? Who should we not be working with? How do we have the most type of impact? Because we are an NGO. When it comes down to it, that is what we are. And we concluded that organizations is an enormously powerful vehicle for changing the world to the better. So we said, okay, we could feasibly work with most organizations out there. What would be the areas where we would truly have something to offer? And the first one we landed upon was leadership development. How do you as a leader work with your people so something new, different and valuable come into being. And that was the birth of the creative leadership program that we offer. Um, then we took a stab on something that uh, was more aimed at schools and education. So again, drawing upon this idea, how do you create engaging and, and enterprising types of curriculum? Because that seems to be asked about all over the world. How do we do that? How do we ensure that our students love being at our university? How do we ensure that they get the most out of all of this? And in fairness, most teachers out there, they really want to see that happen. They have simply never just been presented to how to do that. They are subject matter experts. They're not necessarily facilitators. They, um, they teach from books because that's how their curriculums are constructed. Not so much about what happens today just outside the walls of the school how do we engage with that so that so that is a program which is aimed predominantly at teachers ironically a lot of consultants and other people are also joining that program but it's and we said if we can change or help to inspire these teachers that will have a massive impact on educations at large then we do something on experience design because experience design really speaks to What is it that Chaos Pilot have done or do 
in a co-creational way with others in a really smart way. It's the experience of being at the school more than the degree, more than the actual subject that has been taught. I think you could exchange 40, 50% of the subject from one year to the other, and it would not dramatically differentiate how the students experience the actual education, because there are simply more factors that play in. And there is obviously something about co-creation, because we are a team-based school. It's a choice that we have made that says, we believe that problems or challenges or opportunities need to be acted upon in, in a collaborative way. So how do we do that? So all of our short programs, the one we experiment with and the ones that we do in uh, and have done for years, all of them are cut from the same cloth, which is how do we deliver on our purpose in a different way? So hopefully we will have many more of these in the time to come. And uh, I guess that they will also change over the years as the needs change. So, so is is the sort of process that okay you've been doing a similar kind of consulting gig sorry for the vernacular but i like to make it simple just for the sake of breaking down barriers uh, you've been doing this sort of gig for a client uh and then you see or see the repetition you're like let's make it into a course because it clearly yeah. is happening and this would be cheaper and better and more scalable uh for everybody involved is that kind of yeah. the process behind it that was very much the way it was in the beginning. And to a large extent, this was cut from, when we did lengthier uh, consultancy gigs, no one called the chaos pilot because they wanted to do some sort of reduction within the staff or better accounting. No one called chaos pilot for those questions. It was always something different, something about the imaginative, something about the creative something about new strategy, vision, something about products, all of those type of questions, and a lot about people. How do we, how do we get more out of our people? Or how do we make ensure that our people feel more happy being with us? Those type of questions. And our response when helping clients on this was very much learning. It says, so whatever we come up with, whatever looks good on a PowerPoint, effectively how that is being implemented is through some sort of learning program. So it was a bit of a epiphany in a way when we consider, so everything we do is effective being played out in a learning format. So learning became the central aspect of what we delivered to others, regardless of the topic. Because no one asked us to do a research. No one really asked us to do, do a study on ecosystems for innovation in Denmark. So all of that played into that learning aspect. And then we said, so if that is what we do, that really speaks again to the core, to the tradition of what we have been doing since 1991. Why don't we take that full on and say, we are not gonna sell so much consultancy gigs in, the, in a classical way. Let's simply offer what we do best. And that is, is, is designing uh, learning spaces. Wow, amazing. I mean, I think to me, it's just, I'm very lucky. I know people like Nicolas, and I'm, I look forward to meeting you in person someday, uh, and your other students. I think, to me, it's just, it's something which, from a very personal reason, I'm very attracted to because I feel like I always, I always, I had to like brute my way into doing this, <laughs> because because no one around me kind of understood that I I'm you know this was missing, and mm. and. Uh, all throughout building startups, mostly in technology. Technology, why I like it, why I always have liked it and I still like it to a certain extent is that it has always been on the cutting edge. It's always been on the bleeding edge. And, and I was talking to someone uh, today saying that building a startup and being an artist is very mm. similar because mm. you're doing all the work, you don't know what you're doing most of the time, and you're learning every day mm. if you're doing yes. it right. And and for, and for the longest, and even even I have friends who have IPO'd their companies and they're still learning. And in fact, it's a different kind of learning. And I think, so learning, unlearning, relearning, whatever you want to call it, that's the core skill that is kind of almost never taught. And yes. it's really it's really nice that I've stumbled into a school and, and people that kind of, you know, clearly that seems to be the focus. Um, mm -hmm. I... 
really appreciate your time Krista and I think I want to finish up with a couple of questions the last one of the last ones being you've been at, at Chaos Pilots now for what is it? 15. 15 years that's that's a, that's a long time how mm. how do you personally see the future of Chaos Pilots having been there for so long and having been one of the first students as well what is your vision? What does it look like? Not your vision particularly because it's a group thing. I get it. <laughs> but how do you see it going in the future from now on? So um, dissemination is clearly one of those huge things. I think we have a responsibility to figure out how to share more and more of our experience, not not force feeding it into others. But I do think that there are certain things that we have learned over the years that could be valuable for other people. As you said, learning is perhaps the new type of education if you want to be harsh. The, uh, but that doesn't mean that you, that you should not forget about institutionalizing it because you need a format in how to provide this in an effective way. And here, I think a lot of the talk around when it comes to the future of education that we sometimes assume that education is going away, but that's not it. It's probably quite the contrary. I mean, just to just to add some context here, like some of the biggest tech companies today are all about learning, mm-hmm. learning code remotely, yes. you know, sort of these new models of payment around deferred payment schemes. And I mean, okay, if, 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 the, la- if the smartest people who leave Google and leave SpaceX and start a learning company clearly there's a lot of opportunity there sorry just to point provide some context go on no but i think that is very perceptive and i've always believed as a leader that when when good people leave your company you really need to pay attention to how how come that they're leaving and not the least where are they going because they probably have understood something you should pay attention to yeah so the um so so from a, from, a, from a more philosophical or purpose way, we need to figure out how to disseminate more. The other side that we are going to do more of is the notion of experimenting with our formats. We have, um, thanks to the pandemic actually, if one can allow oneself to be say such a cruel thing is that we have become more digitalized because we had to reinvent how we work with people. And that, up until that point, we had done zero on that note. Now everything we do is basically that. So there's clearly, yes, you are capable of learning. Now the question is, what are you gonna do with that learning? And I think that we will see more of Chaos Pilot spaces perhaps, in, in the world to come, not necessarily as a, as a carbon copy of our three-year program, but rather where the philosophy and the method methodology is installed. Indeed, we have something called Chaos Pilot Plus that exists now in out of Berlin, which is again cut from the same cloth, but it's not necessarily so that they will offer the same things as we do in Aarhus. They are more given the brand, the experience, the methodology, the support to come up with something that points onwards in their community. We will see much more of that in the time to come. And we will see probably Chaos Pilot, the, the, like drawing from the three-year program and from the other programs that we're gonna see, I'm not gonna say necessarily a master program, but something that speaks to other people. Because if you look at it today, we have talked in Scandinavia about lifelong learning since 1988, if I remember correctly. But the consequences of this, it seems to me, have not really fallen into place yet, right? For instance, we go to university, we graduate, maybe we take part in one annual event. And if you're lucky, maybe you join for a course at one point in life. I think that what perhaps this will point to will be some, some sort of membership association where you simply never fully graduate. You're going to be part. You're going to be stuck for the rest. <laughs> but no, there is something about staying in contact with that source of inspiration and that becoming aspect. That universities, the promise of universities, is actually there. I think. I think if, if you could re- uh, if you could reinvent the alumni network, that would be amazing because most alumni suck completely. You know, pay us some money, come for an event. Oh, this yes. person graduated. I'm like, great. 
okay, thanks for the email, but you know, like yeah. what else is going on? And I think, um, and and I mean, I'm very thankful to the institutions that I went to for at varying degrees, right? Some not yeah. very thankful, some very thankful. But I think, mm. I think there's clearly a need, and and I'm sure you've heard of sort of people like Seth Godin doing the Alt MBA and a few other sort of very very interesting kind of courses or learning systems if you if you want to call it that where mm. it's also about community and i think and i think you know there's part of for me the opportunity of coming to denmark i i came here be because my my girlfriend now wife is danish and i'm very yeah. i'm very i love being here it's a, it's a great country you know and i think but it's not the end of the universe right there's so much happening around the world and at times i feel when i run into friends who are danish and you know very smart very open minded very great but but it's just like okay this is this is it i'm like guys there's a lot of opportunity and clearly a lot of learning to be had back and forth so i think it's great yeah. that i think there's a lot of interesting things that i'm sure uh, you guys are busy with and and we'll see more of in the future uh before i wrap up where did the name come from because it's a great name i i mean i i, I think it's really really a fun name but how did that come about and what does it really mean to be a chaos pilot yeah of that particular question has a number of answers not just from the founder but from others okay so one the the uh, the political correct answer is probably that it re truly represented the birth of chaos theory into our more larger narrative not just a university uh, topic but in the nar larger narrative on chaos it also the bridges of the, the 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 collapse of the soviet empire and the new world awaiting with technology and all of that what was coming how do we fix how do we navigate in all of that so the chaos part was a lot about navigating the uncertainty the other perhaps uh, equally true one is that it just sounded really, really cool. No thoughts whatsoever. But it, but it does sound really cool, and that sometimes that's enough. You don't need more yes. than that. Uh, it's it's definitely a great name. I, you, uh, you know, it's fun. Yeah, I like it too. I must admit too that uh, the uh, it's a name that really resonates because it it sets us a bit apart, but it does hold all of those I think good names have the the possibility for interpretation. Yeah pilot meaning perhaps someone that steers but also someone that goes first yeah they have all of these connotations to it that uh that i like a lot and and how because i mean sweden is not that far from denmark but mm -hmm. you know in some ways it is <laughs> in some ways it isn't uh but what why has it stayed in ohus for so long and 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 you know why not come to Copenhagen? Why not go to Berlin? Why not go to Stockholm or Lund or somewhere? I'm just just why has it been in Aarhus for so long? And maybe the answer is why not, but is is there a bigger reason behind it? Yeah, one is that starting an inst an institution like this in a Scandinavian country where so much is simply controlled and steered by the state is is not a trivial assignment actually. And Aarhus uh, was the place where the founder and the, the people around him were at the time. The, the uh, Chaos Pilot grew out of something called the Frontrunners, which is a youth organization that still exists very much today, slightly different than in the 80s. All of that was here. So the conditions were correct. Aarhus has always been very, very supportive of something like Chaos Pilot because being at the fringes of the public system is not an ideal situation at all at all cost or at all times it do have a number of challenges with it and in such a way we all need friends we all need something that that support support us and Aarhus has always been that place now chaos pilot have started in stockholm oslo rotterdam and malmö and switzerland throughout the times but it was closed down for a numerous amount of reasons. But, and that could be a, another conversation between you and me, how come, but one thing to be pointed out was that when we did run or had these programs running in these places, it attracted a multitude of students that would never have come to Aarhus. Yeah. That is something that I've never forgotten. 
And I think, yeah. and I think, I mean, I lived in Rotterdam for many years. That's why I sort of put my hand up because I, that's one of my favorite cities in the world. Yeah. And I think, I think, partly because of the way I experienced Rotterdam, and is is also, you know, it's kind of about just reinventing yourself, right? And I think there's a, a city like Rotterdam that has been through, you know, being completely blanketed by the war, and then you know rising up like a phoenix and being very different to the rest of the cities around it in a dutch context that's quite special and then being a massive port and all the other things that rotterdam has i think to me i remember one of my favorite rappers uh, i think was either kanye or jay-z said this where the game is reinvention the game is not just to say oh you know you're going to put out something great and then you're done it is about mm -hmm. just staying on the treadmill and reinventing yourself and staying relevant whatever that means to you right and i think yes. and i think clearly i don't know many other institutions in the world that are preparing their students uh in a way that chaos pilots does and it's not me that's saying mm. this i just happen to meet some of your students mm. and they're all doing great things uh yes. great for them first and great for their community and as as it comes intrinsically it ends up being great in general <laughs> So I think yeah. it's quite a quite a quite a big uh, thing that you guys are doing. It's pretty cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, I I I really appreciate the time, Krister. Thank you so much for the time, and I look forward to hopefully visiting you guys uh, once COVID rules uh, open up a bit, and 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 you know meeting some more of your students and maybe recording another episode. Uh, you know, there with uh, with some drinks and getting to know a bit more about what Chaos Pilots is really about on, in another way. Thanks a lot for your time, Krister, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and you're always welcome. So. Thanks a lot, Krister. We will link everything in the show notes uh, that Krister sends me <laughs> so you can find out all about the school and get in touch with them any way you like.